Um, in order to to help explain or understand what weakness is, the weakness that um, the Holy Spirit's talking about, I want to briefly just talk about what the weakness is not, what he's not talking about. Um, if we go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, so we just flip over to the left a little bit, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, or uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Paul says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So there's two types of sorrow that, um, that we learn here. One is a godly sorrow, and one is a worldly sorrow. And, I'm, and I'm, when I say sorrow, I'm interchangeably using sorrow with weakness. Um, godly sorrow or weakness is not based on our predicament or situation. If we have a tough situation in front of us, we haven't, because, simply because of our tough situation, attained godly sorrow or the weakness that the Holy Spirit's talking about. Weakness is not of the body, it's not of the mind, not having intelligence. It's not, not having status, money, muscle, um, any of those things that we can see or evaluate or look at and, and touch, but it's deeper and invisible even. Um, the appearance of weakness is completely useless. If you think about the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus and he said, hey, I've, I want to know what I need to do to inherit eternal life. I've, I've kept the commandments. I've done all these things. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, go sell all you have and give to the poor and then come follow me. He turns and, and walks away sad because he had the appearance of weakness. He, had, he talked the same way someone who had godly sorrow would talk. He was able to, to um, look as if he was weak, but it, at the end was completely useless to him. It didn't work. He went away sad. Um, failure is not weakness. Effort is not weakness. Somebody, if you hear somebody who's, I've read, I've got this situation, I've read the Bible, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've heard every sermon that there is to hear, um, I've done everything I can do, and they haven't got it. It's almost as if they're, they're. Uh, the, who does it remind you of? It reminds you of, of the Pharisees when they put a lot of effort into making their relationship with God appear as if it was really strong based on their effort. And so um, we don't want to be somebody who's, well, I'm trying really hard. God should recognize this. God should recognize how hard I'm trying and, uh, and perfect power. Um, I want to give three examples of people in the Bible who have come to that place of weakness where God came through and, and perfected power. They came to a place of godly sorrow. Um, the title of the message that I'm bringing today is 
automatic power. Jesus is rooting for us and the thief. So the first example I want to go to is in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 25. And a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians, that does not sound very good, had, and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. So this person is definitely an effort person. She's given all of her money, and she's endured much at the hands of the physicians. And not only is her problem not going away, it's getting worse. And after hearing about Jesus, it's very important that the Bible says that, after hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought... And it's also very important that the Bible shares and reveals her thought process and her logic. It says, if I just touch his garments, I shall get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And something very strange happens in the next few verses and immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that power proceeding from him, had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude pressing in on you? And you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. It seems as if Jesus is caught off guard or surprised. And um, he, he kind of was, if you can accept that. But Jesus, God, being surprised or caught, caught off guard doesn't make sense. Well, when I, I have a programmable thermostat in my house, and I can say at 3.30, 30 minutes before I come home, the AC is going to come on automatically. God is not caught off guard here. He set up the rules this way. He set it up that if somebody has faith, if somebody comes to of uh, this place of weakness, my power will automatically be perfected in them. And so we don't have to pray to God and, and um, explain our case and say, can you just, in this one circumstance, change the rules for me? Or can you give, make me a special exception? But he has set up the rules that it will automatically happen. If we just learn the rules and walk in them, God will automatically come through for us. And so that's automatic power. And that's, this is an example of a woman who have reached the place of weakness, which I haven't yet said what it is yet, um, and perfected power was manifested in her life. 
The second example is in Matthew chapter 15. Verse 21. I look up to these two women so much. I can't wait to meet him one day in heaven. Verse 21, it says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And I'm sure we've all felt before we pray to God and we need something, and it seems as if he does not answer us a word. Um, and his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he, said, and he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And he says it with a straight face to her. But inside, Jesus is earnestly praying and rooting for this woman to find godly sorrow, to find the place of weakness so that he can come through for her in perfected power. And then she says, yes, Lord, but, and then Jesus smiles and he gets excited because he knows what she's about to say. Even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Okay. And the last example is in Luke chapter 23. And Jesus is the same today as he was in, these, in, these book, in this uh, chapter, in these stories that we're reading. You read these and you apply them to your life. You, you replace the characters that you're reading about with yourself. And Jesus will come through in the same exact way. In Luke 23, verse 39, Jesus is on the cross. And he's dying, and there's two men next to him, each dying as well on the cross. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him, said, Do, not e do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for what we've done. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. All right. Um, in my life, if you're a Christian here, you have experienced what I'm talking about today. Coming, coming to salvation 
is that first time that we come to a place of godly sorrow or weakness and perfected power transfers you from a kingdom of death and destruction and it transfers you into a kingdom of life and into sonship of God and you become a son of God, a son or daughter of God and that is powerful. Um, and then when, as we live in our Christian life, we need God from time to time. And we, we need him all the time, but we really need him to come through from time to time. And, and in my experience and in reading these stories, there's something that they all have in common that I, that I want to really highlight, and this is the message. I don't feel that I'm smart enough to explain to you what weakness is entirely but I want to highlight an aspect of it. They all come to a foolish agreement with God. They all reject logic of this world that makes sense, that should work. They abandon it for something in this world that doesn't make sense, the logic of God. If you look at the thief on the cross, we can look at it, we can look at, before I go there, before I go there, this agreement that the people make and that we make with God has a few characteristics that I, that I want to highlight. One is, there's humility in all of the characters we read about and in a person who comes to God. There is a willingness to face reality. There is a careful and gentle guiding of your thoughts and your heart to make sure you come to the right agreement with God. There is a zeal for the truth, not just a truth. And this might trip somebody up, trip me up a little bit. It requires us to be merciful towards God and to be willing to turn the other cheek with God. And that might not make sense, but I'm going to explain a little bit. Imagine the thief on the cross. Imagine something terrible happens to somebody. Whatever it is, something terrible. One person can say, God, how could you let this happen to me? How could you allow, if you are at love, why did you let this happen? And another person in the same situation could say, God, thank you that, you didn't, that it didn't get worse. Thank you for being with me and letting me get to the other side. Thank you for teaching me and upholding me. I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Amen. And so the thief on the cross, on the left, he says, if your Lord... What are you doing? Save yourself and then save me too. Just do it. If I was God, that's what I would do. And the thief on the right, he says, I, he came to the right agreement. He came to the place where God, it was his whole plan. I'm dying on this cross because of what I've done. He's dying for no reason. He didn't do anything wrong. He's Lord. He's, it's it. So just remember me. He has to abandon that logic that, from the guy on the left, which makes a lot of sense if you're in the world. What does the world want? They want, if God, if, if God, if you're love, 
then just let, let everybody go into heaven. Just save, save yourself and save us. Let us do what we want to do. Let us just live apart from you, but at the end of the day, bring us with you. But the thief on the right abandons that logic, and he comes to a place of agreement with God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Every agreement that we make with God has evidence, evidence tied to it. In the woman with the issue of blood, she comes to Jesus and she comes to a place where she agrees with him concerning his thought process on that issue. She says, if I just touch, if I just touch him, I shall get well. So she agrees with him, and simultaneously, she comes into agreement with his answer for that solution at the same time. And so the woman who is the, the Canaanite woman who has the daughter's demon-possessed, demon Jesus does not answer her a word. Jesus gives a reason why he should not help her. Jesus calls her almost basically a dog. And the woman falls on her knees before him and says, Lord, yes, but even the children eat from the crumbs that fall from the children's table and is giving mercy to God. Because if you're in that situation, how many of us are willing to take all those signals, take all the signals that the world is giving us and say, I'm going to go anyways. She is agreeing that no matter what Jesus' character is, no matter what his, um, his uh, teachings are, he is God. Whatever he is, he is. I have to adjust to him. He doesn't adjust to me. And so I am going to mercifully come and agree with him because in our logic, that's what we think we have to do. And what does Jesus say? He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so when Jesus, he teaches us three, three other parables I just want to highlight. The parable of the sower. The third seed is the, per, it des describes two people. One person is somebody who's deceived by the riches and pleasures of this world, and so they're choked out. The second person, who's very important in this message, is the person who is deceived by the cares and worries of this world, and they're also choked out. And it further highlights that weakness in the world, weakness in the body, is not where we are aspiring to get to. We need to go further than that. But at the end of the day, the parable and that parable, the seed that grew a hundredfold was the seed that received. It, rece it was a heart that received. When Jesus talked about who are my father and mother, he was teaching and his parents came and they said, hey, your father and mother are here. And he said, who are my father and mother? But those who hear the word of God and do it. 
And he described a house that was built on rock and a house that was built on sand. A storm came, wiped away the house on sand. The house on rock remained. And he said, who is that? It's the person who hears the word of God and puts it into practice. It's the person who hears the word of God and agrees with it so much that they do it. And that's where we need to come to. This morning, there are people here who are hanging on to things that they need to let go of. Maybe, maybe we've held a grudge against somebody and we need to forgive them and we need to come to a place of agreement with God where we say, Jesus, you died on the cross for the very people who were putting nails in your hands, the very people who were putting a bag over your head and punching you. You died for them and you forgave them. If you can forgive others, forgiveness is good enough for me. And some of us here need to come to a place of agreement with God where if God has forgiven you, you need to be able to forgive yourself and to let go of things. This morning, I, I'm, I'm done with my message, and I want to give you the opportunity. I want to open up the altar. I want you to, to feel that this morning you can let go of the weights that are on your shoulders. <coughs> If, uh, if you feel like anything I've said this morning um, is making you think, is making, you, is, is making you, your stomach stir, um, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. And so um, I want you guys to feel comfortable right now to just come up, if that's you, and you want to give something up to the Lord and you want to come to a place of new agreement with God where you just want to let go of something, I want to invite you to come up right now because Jesus is uh, available, Jesus is willing, and he is powerful today. And really, it doesn't require any, um, it doesn't require money, it doesn't require skill, it requires somebody who has a humble heart, somebody who is willing to let go of the strength that's in this world. And Jesus is right there, and he says, Oh woman, oh daughter, your faith is great. That's what he wants to say this morning. And that's what he will say this morning. So I'll just give one more opportunity for anybody else who wants to come up.